0: You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. I'm excited about this particular parable that we're going to be looking at today, and I have a few preliminary uh, words I want to share with you. But uh, this one to me, the parable of the prodigal, to me represents the heart of God more than any other Parable that we can read about or that Jesus taught in the scriptures. And it's important for us uh, to really take this to heart. And so, my desire is for you to really receive what the Father wants to impart to you. But uh, Israel, by the way, is celebrating their 70, 70th Jubilee. Now, this is the Hebrew year 5776. And the Jubilee is a Jewish celebration, which was first celebrated in 1367 B.C. and occurs after every 49 years. It was first celebrated after the children of Israel entered Canaan. In Judaism and Christianity, the concept of the Jubilee is a special year of remission of sins. It's it's a pardoning of offenses. In the book of Leviticus, it's also shown to be a year for canceling debts, debt cancellation, that, that sounds good, a forgiveness, uh, and really the display of the mercies of God uh, would be manifest. And we are approaching uh, September 23rd, which is the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, which is the most solemn holy day of uh, all Israel, of all of their feasts and festivals. It's a day... To atone for sins, it's the sacrificing of the bull, and using the blood of that bull as, uh, as a sin offering, as a uh, offering uh, for the people to forgive their sins. And then also the goat that was sent into the wilderness, that was a scapegoat to uh, receive the judgment of God, where the sins were carried away from the camp of the people. And it's all a type and shadow of what Christ has done for us. And so uh, I think it's important to acknowledge those feast days, especially the time that we're living in. I believe we're beginning to see an unfolding of what God has foretold, what we've seen prophetically. And for the believer, we can look up and rejoice for our redemption is drawing nigh. But we need to be intentional on reaching those that don't know Jesus as the Lord and Savior and really sharing the love of Jesus with those we come in contact with. Can you say amen to that? I mentioned this last week, but if you weren't here, it's always good to know. There are actually 57 recorded parables in the Gospels. And uh, we're looking in this series at four key parables, and it was really hard to choose out of 57. It's important, however, that we relate the life teachings of Jesus to real-life issues concerning the challenges that you and I may be facing. And that's what Jesus did. He was very relatable. He would would use these stories that could relate to every man's world to talk about things that they were familiar with. And it's our desire at refuge for people to encounter Jesus, and especially through his teachings. And through the parables, we can discover our truths and principles that are revealed through and by the greatest teacher that ever lived. According to dictionary.com, a parable is a short allegorical story designed to illustrate or teach some truth, some principle, or moral lesson. It's a statement or comment that conveys a meaning indirectly by the use of comparison, analogy, or the like. So it's that comparison thing, and, and sometimes a, a truth can be hidden within the parable. So it compels us to go deeper and to to go further so that we can extract the truth and and what Jesus was really saying. Uh, Parables often create a greater hunger for people to dig deeper in their discovery of truth in their lives. Now, parables help us to relate to spiritual truths for a practical application in our life. So it's bringing the spiritual to the natural. And and really, uh, you've heard people say and make this comment, some people are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. But yet God wants us to bring heaven's revelation into this earth so that it can be displayed in a practical way that is beneficial to humanity, to bring transformation to a culture, to bring positive change where we see so much negativity in our world, that, the world that we're living in. Our parables actually bring spiritual truth to light so they can be understood in the natural mind. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. We've seen in Matthew 13, 34, Jesus, uh, in speaking concerning Jesus, says, all these things Jesus said to the crowds and parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. So to the mass crowds, he spoke with parables. But yet when he got alone with his disciples, he gave a little deeper explanation of what he had shared with the crowd and we also see in Mark chapter 4, verse 33 and 34, it says, With many such parables he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. Now, I, I like that because Jesus, he wouldn't go further than what sometimes people could receive. And, and sometimes we need to have that kind of common sense. You know, especially you're meeting somebody new, don't dump the whole Bible on them, by the way. You know, pray that God gives you discernment to be able to share something with them that they can be able to receive. And so it's being sensitive to where others are at. I always try to uh, be sensitive to where others are at so that I don't, um, you know, unintentionally offend them. I don't want to be an offensive person. But yet, even. In light of that, Jesus offended people when he spoke the truth. It was not his intent to offend them, but it was because of the the condition of the hearts of of those that were offended and rejected him. Now, Now, we also see this verse 34 goes on to say, He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. So he gave the details. He gave the explanation. And so God wants you to have the details and the explanation. So that's what we're going to cover and what we're covering uh, in this series this month. Last week, we actually looked at the parable of the mustard seed. And this really is about finding significance and God wanting to communicate to us that your life is of great significance and has great potential, and that he wants you to be able to grow up, that you have the capacity to make a difference in this earth and be a blessing. Now, today we're looking at the prodigal son, and this is actually found in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. Now, the word prodigal, and you can find your place in your Bible, I'll actually be reading from the um, English Standard Version. But Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through 32. uh, The word prodigal is interesting because it actually means wasteful. Wasteful. And how many of us uh, were wasting our lives until we encountered the Father's love? Or should I say, until we were encountered by the Father's love? And say... I think sometimes when we t- uh, put a name or a label on this parable, it's always labeled the prodigal son. But I think it would be more properly labeled as the father's love. Because that's what really comes through in this parable. Um, and we're going to see that played out as we look at this. Just to give you a backdrop, you know, what, as far as why did Jesus even share this parable, it was shared with an intent because he was dealing with an issue. And we actually see in verse 1 of Luke 15, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to him. And so Jesus was attracting the kind of crowd that the religious leaders of the day weren't too comfortable with. He said, Hey, what's this about this Jesus? All these sinners, these tax collectors. And... In that day, a tax collector was like the scum of the earth. They were crooked in their ways. They were mischievous. They were not very principled individuals, okay? And so, uh, in verse 2, it says, And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. That he's actually associating with the kind of people that we would have nothing to do with. And so, they particularly had an issue with that. And so... Jesus, from here, goes on to talk about the lost sheep. And then he tells a story about the lost coin. And finally, the third of the stories that he goes on in this discourse is the story of the lost son. And that's what we're going to focus on. Now, the concept of what Jesus was trying to communicate is how to respond when what is lost is found, okay? And so, in in every case we see that the proper response is to rejoice and to celebrate when whatever is lost is found, okay? And so, um, in fact, we see that concerning the lost sheep. In verse 7, it says, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance or oh, heaven rejoices when a sinner repents. And then verse 10, just so I tell you, there is joy because, before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So that's the backdrop Jesus is giving before he talks about the parable of the lost son. Verse 11, let's look at this. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. Now, he made his demands on his father. Apparently, he was discontent. He, he was wanting to get out of the house. He was wanting to get out of his father's authority. Because, see, maybe he didn't really uh, know how good he had it, Okay. Maybe he thought there was something better uh, in life than being at home under his father's authority. And, and so and many times we have that same scenario, especially as young people, you know, uh, we may have those kinds of challenges and deal with those kind of issues. Now, now the father, interestingly enough, complied with his son. He says he divided his property between them. In other words, he gave his share of what was coming. He gave him his inheritance. Verse 13, not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. In other words, he got as far away from his dad, far away from his family as he could. And see, this is almost a type and shadow of, uh, of people, you know, they want to get as far away from God because they don't want God interfering with what they want to do. They just want to do their deal. And, and, and it's a type of going into the world to get as far away from church, far away from uh, godly influences as possible because you, you don't want to hear those voices when your heart is set to go in that direction, okay? You don't want to be told what to do. You don't, you don't want to be told what you can't do. You know, uh, people, you know, res- re- you know, respond negatively when you say, you can't do that, don't do that. Oh. It makes you just want to do it, right? The, the, the rebellious nature in, in man wants to rise up and in disobey that. In, in Oklahoma, they have these signs when you're coming in on, on the interstate on I-44. It says, do not drive into smoke. Have you ever, ever been in Oklahoma and see those signs? You know. If there were ever smoke on that highway, I would just want to drive in it, because it's like, what's this, you <laughs> know? Don't drive in the smoke, and, and it, 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 they could call it fog, but they, it's smoke, so maybe people are burning brush fires at a certain time of the year, and then smoke is going over the freeway. I don't, I don't know, but uh, pretty interesting. But there's only two lanes, so I don't know where you can go if there's smoke that covers both lanes. You, you have to drive through it, or otherwise you stop and you can cause a uh, traffic jam. But anyway, I don't know why I shared that. That's crazy. Anyway. All right, verse 14. And when he had spent everything, I mean, this guy, and I don't know how much he started out with, but he spent it all. I mean, he was probably the life of the party. He was buying drinks for everybody. I mean, he was just, you know, he was spending it all, okay? And okay, when he spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. And he began to be in need. You see, this is a place in his life that he'd probably never been because his father certainly took care of him. He'd never known need and been in this place like he was at this point. In verse 15, it says, So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. Now, if you know something about Israel, uh, pigs is considered unclean or it's not kosher uh, to eat pigs. You know, they, uh, it's one of those forbidden things in the culture. And so uh, even that in it, in a sense, like it's, that's despicable to a Jew, to have to feed pigs. So that was not probably a great job, okay? and And so. Verse 16, and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. In other words, he was eating the pigs' food, the pods, the whatever they were getting, the pig slop, that's what he was eating. Now, that's, that's a pretty low place to be in from having all this money, having all this popularity, uh, and all of a sudden having nothing. Verse 17, and this is a key point in this whole parable, when he came to himself. When he came to himself. Now, there's a couple of ways we can look at this. When you finally realize where you are at, you finally realize how low you have sunk. You finally realize uh, how desperate you are. You can stay at that place, or you can decide to do something about it. He did not stay at that place. He did not end his life there. He made a decision to humble himself and to return to his father. And he, and we're going to see, I'm going to read it down because otherwise I'm going to narrate the rest of the story before we read it. And when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. Verse 18, I will rise and go to my father, and I will say to him, so he's rehearsing what he's going to say when he returns, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. See, that would have been good enough for him to lose his sonship, to lose the relationship that he had with his father and just be a servant, a hired servant in his household. That would have been good enough for him. That would have been better than what he had in the place where he presently was. Verse 20, and he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Now, can you imagine this scenario? You know, the father, you're looking and longing, and it's heartbreaking for his son, wondering, is he okay? Is he alive? How is he doing? And and praying for him and and pleading to God on his behalf. And he's standing out there one day, and he sees him a far off coming down the road. Something exploded in that father's heart towards his son. Now, he didn't know whether his son was coming back, changed or not. But his love and compassion was just as real. And and so then, verse 21, and his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But before he could even get to the third part of what he had rehearsed to say, because he said, Lord, I just want... That I just want to be one of your hired servants. Before he could even finish, his father interrupted him. And he said, but the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. See, there was a celebration that took place with the return of this prodigal. Now, verse 25, there's another dilemma. And this dilemma can relate to many church people when the prodigal comes home. To those who have been faithful, serving, this deals with the reaction that some of us may have when the prodigal returns verse 25 now his oldest son was in the field he was busy about his father's business right and as he came and drew near to the house he heard music and dancing and he called to one of the servants and asked what these things meant verse 27 and he said to them Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Now, verse 28, this other son, the older son, says, but he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, said, look, these years I have served you, and I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when his son, this son of yours come, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. Now, the oldest son in that day, in the, in the Isra- in, for Israelites, they always got a double portion. So, you know, as an older son, he still had that coming to him. So, but notice what he goes on to say. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Now, let's talk about this parable a little more. Uh, There was a Sunday school class that was being quizzed on the prodigal son. The teacher asked one of the students in the class uh, who was sorry when the prodigal son returned home. The boy gave a little bit of deep thought about the question, and then he answered the fattened calf. Yeah. Yeah. Now this parable is really a classic picture of the father's love towards the wayward son. Uh, It's truly a picture of the power of forgiveness that empowers us who God called and destined to be his. And you need to realize that all humanity, Jesus paid the price for, and God has made provision for. There's an inheritance for every human being on this planet. And, and but these, when you look at it from the standpoint that there's wayward sons and daughters, those that have not returned home, those that have not come to the Father, those that have not encountered his love, because maybe they think God is going to judge them and wipe them out. So they've stayed in the far country. They've stayed away because they haven't wanted to draw near to the Father. But yet I believe this prodigal son knew his father was loving. And he trusted that he would not be rejected, that he would not be an outcast, but that he would be received and welcomed home. He knew about the character of his father so that he was safe to return. But he also knew that it required him to humble himself to approach his father. He couldn't stay the way he was in his arrogance and his pride and his greed and selfishness. He couldn't remain that way to turned to his father. He had to make a change. Now, I want to share three points that we learn in this as we bring this message to a close because there's, there's so much that we can talk about. There's, there's so much that we can see concerning the love of the father towards humanity. What can we learn from the parable of the prodigal son? Well, what we can learn is We can learn a revelation of the love of of our Heavenly Father. We can find out what God is really like. We really can. We really can. We can find out what he's like. And what we learn is to know and understand that we are sons by birth, not by worth. And I want to talk just a couple of minutes about that because sometimes we place very little value on our self-worth. We don't feel that we're worthy. We don't feel that we deserve what God has done for us. But God's love is not based on uh, what we've done. It's based on the worth that he's placed upon us. He's placed a worth on your life. You are worth saving. You are worth loving. You are worth eternal life. And he paid the price so that you could receive that eternal life. And, and so it's, it's understanding that we are born into this privilege of, of having an inheritance. When we come to Christ. Now, many times this parable can be looking at somebody that maybe they come to God, they're serving him, and they backslide. They drift away. They, they go away from God. And they have this period of time where they've walked away from God. And, and there's a number of prodigals in this church. People that at one time served God, they walked away, but they've come back. And they've been restored. And, and that's what God does. He's a God of restoration. A revelation of the Father's love is the most important revelation in transforming your life that you can ever receive. And my prayer today is is that you have a revelation of God's love for you. Because until you have that, you're going to belittle who you are and, and not see the worth and the value of your life before God. You may feel worthless because of your sins or what you've done wrong, and and you may be dealing with guilt and shame, but in a moment, Jesus can take that all away. The second thing we can learn from the parable of the prodigal son is that we all have been prodigals who need to be welcomed into the hands of a loving father. In John 16, 27, The scripture says the Father himself loves us. The Father himself loves us. So we have to come to ourselves, as this prodigal son did. He came to himself. He realized his condition, but he didn't stop there. He determined he was going to humble himself and return to his father and be welcomed home. The third thing we can learn from this parable of the prodigal son is that Christians who have faithfully walked with God should not resent those who come back to God if they've walked away from him. They should share in their father's joy. Now, how will refuge welcome the sinner home? Will we celebrate or will we despise them? No, we need to celebrate them. They've come home. They've come to be restored in the house of God, in in the place where they can grow in the purpose that God has. We have to be ready to welcome them with joy. See, we've all messed up. I've messed up. You've messed up. But we can return to the Father and be accepted by him. And in his attitude, we'll say, Why did you mess up? No, he would rejoice and celebrate and throw a party. You know, they were dancing. You know, this older brother, he said, why are they dancing? Why are they celebrating this gumbag, what he did? See, you have to realize that forgiveness is is so, so important. Not just the Father's forgiveness towards us but the forgiveness and the love of God that we have towards those who come to God. The scripture tells us that we need to love as God loves and forgive as he forgives. Thanks for listening to the Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearefuge.net.